Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz. It's been a little while since we recorded, but uh, yeah, we're back. Ashton, how are you doing? Uh, really good. We had some fantastic playoff games. Again, semifinal games for the second year in a row. We had just really entertaining games. They were close, like both games close uh, throughout. So, yeah, it was it was really enjoyable. I watched um, almost all of it. I will. <laughs> funny story. I will admit that I did. After Washington recovered the onside kick, I was done. And I went to bed oh. <laughs> and no. that was not the right move. Um, I was like, how hard could it be? Like, I didn't know it was going to be difficult. I thought they just pretty much kneel it out. Um, and little did I know, man. Oh, I mean, thank goodness Texas didn't come back and win or else I would have missed that. I would have been sick this morning. Right. That was actually a wild ending. Both, both playoff games going down to the very last play of the game. Um, and the first one by definition had to be that way because it went to overtime. But yeah, let's start with that game. Michigan beats Alabama 27 to 20 in in said overtime. Very I guess this is about probably what we expected, like mostly a defensive game. Um running the ball a lot. Jalen Milrow had to run the ball for Alabama to well, okay. They also were able to run a little bit with the running backs, but he was not able to pass a lot, put it that way. Um and Michigan, they got enough. They had some – obviously, one of the big stories was a lot of special teams miscues by the Michigan team. But yeah. they, they were able to do enough. And I guess my big takeaway was they they are as advertised in the line of scrimmage. Like, they kicked Bama's butt up front for the majority of the game. Not the whole game, but for the majority of the game, they controlled it up front. It's especially in the first half. Um, yeah. Like when, when Michigan was bringing pressure um, and, and they didn't always have to blitz, but especially when they, if anytime Michigan blitzed a linebacker in the first half, the said linebacker had a free run at the quarterback. Yeah. Um, that happened a lot um, in the first half. So yeah, credit to Michigan. Alabama did a really good job. I felt of adjusting out of that later. Um, and I, I actually felt that Alabama in the third quarter and some of the fourth quarter was pushing Michigan around. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a bit, they, they got the running game established definitely in the, in the third quarter and was, was moving the ball that way. Um, but yeah, and I, they did do a little bit better job in pass pro, but honestly, Alabama just didn't pass much. Like, like they just yeah. really didn't throw, throw the ball much at all. They were not effective, um, throwing, um, both defenses I felt were really good. Like, just go ahead and give, give both teams some credit there. I felt both defenses did a really good job overall. Um, and kind of was able to keep this one low scoring. I know it did hit the over. The over did hit. Um, that's only because they went to overtime <laughs> because yeah. there was nothing, nothing in in um, yeah in the sixty minutes that that would have uh, gotten them over. So yeah, really good game, really entertaining. Did you okay? Did you give JJ McCarthy any shot on that last drive to go down and tie it up before overtime? Any at all? I did. But mostly not because not as much because of him, but I, I honestly they had been trying to run the ball the whole game, doing a better job of it in the first half than the this the third quarter especially that Bama was stopping their run game. But yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know that I really thought they were going to do it, but I felt like with that offensive line with Blake Corum. And yeah, J.J. McCarthy, like I, th- I thought they had a shot. I-, I thought maybe at that point they had leaned on him enough that Alabama's defense would would bend just enough that they could do it. And and we saw it, especially in overtime. I mean, what was that? Uh, you were, you're right. Alabama's defense played well for the majority of the game. It did feel like maybe they wore out a little bit at the end. Um, yes. Impressive job by Michigan to go get that score for sure. Because it yeah. did feel like to me, like I, I, I – I kind of agree, I think, with what you're maybe suggesting with the question and that it sort of felt like Alabama had the game won. But, I, yeah, it was never completely – it never completely felt that way, but it did sort of feel like Alabama had the game finally figured out. They finally won it, even though I didn't really feel Alabama was, like, the better team, really. 
So when on the first pass of the game, um, Michigan gets the ball, right? And the, the first pass of the game, McCarthy is attempting to possibly throw it out of bounds, maybe, and and yeah. got really lucky that Caleb Downs just happened to tap his heel out of bounds before he got back in bounds for the pick. Yeah. Uh, he got, I mean, just completely bailed out there. And at that moment, I was like, this is why Harbaugh is 0-2 in the playoff. Like, <laughs> he lost to the TCU team who got smoked by Georgia, and then he got smoked by Georgia the year before that. He has not been very good in the playoff. And it's like, they're doing it again. They're, like, they're, they're, they're falling apart. And, and to their credit, they they were able to, to, to hang in there after that. They had a really strong first half. And they trailed through for, yeah, for most of the second half. They, they were down. But I... They were down seven, man. And a, a huge drive to get into overtime. The fourth down call, um, the fourth and two, the the play call I thought was really good. There were actually people out there that said Michigan should have punted the ball in a defensive. Like if you put the ball, the game's over. Like you you cannot yeah. punt that football. Keep it. Yeah, go for it. If if you can't get two yards, you're not going to be able to go down the field and score anyway. Like you might as well just go ahead and give up. Um, and I thought they did. They had a really nice play calls a a big uh, uh, yeah pass to Corm out there in the flat. And yeah, it was it was impressive. The the one catch by Roman Wilson, I thought was wild. Um, I thought yes. he had a really nice catch there. Two plays later, after that fourth down conversion uh, to to get them inside, I think the ten yard line, and they scored not long after on a tipped pass. Then, like I don't think I've ever seen a pass that was tipped that's that just it kept its its nice spiral and just went up a little higher, and he just mm-hmm. climbs the ladder and comes down with it. But what you were saying on the fourth down play, I'm just tired. Like, can we be done with announcers talking about the risk of going for it on fourth and one or whatever when giving the other team the ball is inherently risky too? Like giving like a punt guarantees the other team has the ball. That's also risky. Everything you do on a football field has some element of risk. That is. Yeah. I'm, I'm just done with that whole thing. Anyway, uh, props to Michigan. Yes, they were down in the fourth quarter. But didn't it feel like they were the better team? Like, didn't it? Okay, the, they won the yards per play battle 5.9 to 4.4. Like, yep. didn't it just kind of feel like if Alabama pulls this off, it's mostly because of some turnovers and, like, a better kicker, quite frankly, and and just, I don't know, like pulling a rabbit out of a hat to some extent because I never really felt like Alabama was actually – the better team in this game. I think the special teams is a very interesting point that you make. Like the miss PAT early on for Michigan was Huge. like disaster. It was like, yeah. like there's no chance they'll need that later on. You know, <laughs> like you could say that when it happens, like this is awful. Like they're going to desperately need that one point. Um, turns out they went and went to overtime with it, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. So the, the missed field goal for Michigan was big. Alabama special teams were really, really good. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it could have been way worse for Michigan in the special teams department. They did have the one muffed punt, that second muffed punt at the oh. one yard line that they recovered. And it ended up, Hey, it was fine because he was able to get it out to the one and they could take knees. But if he, if he muffs that punt at the five where he did, and it rolls into the end zone, that's a safety that that is, that is two points and the ball for Bama. The game is over. Yeah. And he probably, I don't know if he would have kicked it out the back of the end zone just to give a, a touchback maybe no that's a safety too that's yeah, safety, he, yeah he wouldn't have had any real chance to get out so yeah it could have been so much worse for michigan um and hey credit to him for i think they even mentioned it on the broadcast he he was able to keep his wits about him and pick the ball up and recover it and get it at least to the one so it wasn't just a, a yeah just an absolute uh disaster there and they were able to to end it the point about michigan being the better team throughout is I believe true. I think Michigan through over the course of the game was the better football team. They definitely hit periods where they looked very sketchy. Like yes, Michigan, the third quarter, especially. Well, that and like the, the first drive and just really anytime they were on special teams at all, yeah. um, they 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 struggled. Like they struggled in some aspects of the game. They were not good on third down. Uh they were two for two on fourth down. Um, but yeah, they neither team actually was was any good on third down. So yeah, they, they outrushed. Um, well, no, they didn't actually have more rushing yards, but they had more yards per rush. 
um, than than Alabama did. And I think, yeah, that's a credit to to Michigan's front seven. So two really good teams. Um, can I just make one point and, and not to keep going over this point? I've made it previously, but like we left Florida State out because we were absolutely certain that they would not be able to throw the ball with their third string quarterback. And you know what? We put Alabama in because we thought they would. And Alabama had 116 yards passing and it, it's a good Michigan defense. It is. But there's a lot of teams that could get more than 116 yards passing <laughs> against yeah. this Michigan defense. I agree completely. And a lot of people are saying, well, this is, you know, this justifies the committee's decision. You know, Florida State lost by 60 to Georgia. And this game went to overtime. Like, could you could you ask for a better matchup? Well, if if this was an old classic Alabama team of the last 15 years, they'd probably win this game because this is the worst quarterback they've had in 15 years. I, I think Jake Coker passes for more than 116 yards in this game. Like, I don't know. Like, Alabama might be a better team than Florida State. They might be. Like, I'm saying without Jordan Travis. They might mm-hmm. be. I don't right. know that definitively to be true. And yeah, I kind of would have liked to see undefeated Florida State with Tate Rodemaker in in the playoff. Now they wouldn't have won it, and we got two great games. Sure, it's it's fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but your point is well stated. We we left out the team with the with the starting quarterback who was injured for the team who threw four hundred and sixteen passing yards. Mm-hmm. We um, also one thing to note, too, in the playoff this year, there were two teams that were undefeated and two teams with one loss and the undefeated teams won. And maybe like maybe there is something to be able to win a lot of close games. I think that going into the Texas game and we'll get to get to Washington, Texas more in a bit. But Washington actually was very comparable to Florida State. Um, going up like the resume leading up into it, right? Like Washington had a really tough month where Penix was not completely healthy. And I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, we, we, we do have to let the Florida state stuff go at some point. Neither of us, by the way, are Florida state fans. We don't care. I'm not an ACC guy. I like the SEC actually. Like I should be, you know, the, the pro Alabama guy, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just funny. They threw for 116 yards, you know, of, of course they did. Um, right. And and ultimately, the reason why they couldn't score down in, in the red zone in overtime is because they didn't really have any threat to throw. Like, everyone yeah. knew they were going to run the ball, and that included uh, Michigan's front seven, and they stopped it. I am usually like Mr. Throw the ball. <laughs> to me, I wanted, I wanted Alabama to just hand the ball off more and more. Like, yeah. you can run, like, zone – read stuff like maybe Milrow keeps it on the zone read but like I I wanted them to throw the ball maybe 25 percent of the time and and I know that's it's hard to play offense that way I don't know man like 20 points is probably just not going to cut it and they still had a chance in overtime but I, I was a little disappointed just by the whole offensive game plan I guess for Alabama and I know yeah it's not like they tried to throw the ball that often Mm-hmm. It just felt like almost a, it almost felt like a win for Michigan every time they actually did drop back. Well, and I was going to say too, Alabama's running backs, um, and it was mainly just Jason McClellan and Justice Haynes, uh, were really, really good when they got the ball. They did not get very many carries. They only had 18 carries combined between between the running backs. Milrow had 21. Like Milrow right. carried the ball all the time. <laughs> but but McClellan had more yards than Blake Corum did on five less carries. He also had two touchdowns, including the the 34-yarder um, to, to, to start it off. So I felt both running backs really in the third quarter were really clicking, and you and then Alabama kind of got away from it. Yep. And yeah, I'm I'm with you. They should have ran the ball maybe less with Milrow, more with the backs, using Milrow as kind of like like you said, a zone like read a guy, you know, read the defensive end. If he crashes down, keep it. You're allowed to keep it, but yeah, have your running backs be the first read um, and make them stop that first. So yeah, we're we're kind of nitpicking, and we're also kind of playing the results too, maybe sure. a little bit. That yeah. said, this game was in overtime. And really, if if Roman Wilson doesn't make an incredible catch, Caleb Downs is picking that ball off um, yeah. on that tipped pass that we talked about. And the game's over anyway. So, yeah, Alabama had a lot of chances to win this. Um, yeah, they didn't. 
and and Michigan gets it done. This is big for Harbaugh. I think this changes a lot of the maybe what's left of the narrative because I think the narrative is slowly dissipating. But he needed a playoff win. And make no mistake, if he would have lost this game, which it was a close game, obviously, overtime, if he would have lost this football game, he's 0-3 in the playoffs, and people would have said that he cannot do that. You know, he can't win in the playoffs. He's not meant for that. And there's that's why a lot of the public was picking Alabama. A lot of the money was bet on Alabama. And you saw that line. Vegas kept that line pro-Michigan. I thought that was interesting. That yeah. line stayed at Michigan, even with most of the money on Bama. That line stayed Michigan a point and a half up to two, uh, two and a half at one point there right before kick. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a really good game, very entertaining. Rose Bowl has it's, – it's a great TV show. The Rose Bowl is a yeah. fantastic TV show. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, really, really good game. If we're picking nits just in this section a little bit, um, mm-hmm. is it okay that I wanted just a little bit more out of McCarthy? Like I wanted a few more of the throws that he missed. Is that unfair? The, the – no, the – the one that I – well, he had two. There was one where he overthrew a man on the sideline and just wildly overthrew him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on a – yeah, he missed him by like five yards. Like it wasn't close. And it was like, oof, like, okay, that's not great. And then I think they had like a third and seven, and they would have picked it up on a crossing route, but he threw behind him. And the, the receiver, as he was turning for it, like fell down two yards short. And it was like, ooh, if that's on target, that's at least another 10 yards, you know, <laughs> like there was a couple of things like that where he missed it, but his overall stat line, the man had three touchdowns as careless as it felt like he was, he did not throw an interception. Right. Um, he only, yeah, he was 17 for 20 or yeah. 17 completions on 27 attempts, 221 yards. He was, he was actually pretty good. Like he, yeah, he threw for three TDs. I don't know. He was good in the red zone too, which I think, Michigan definitely struggled with that last year against TCU in the playoff game. They had some, I mean, they just full on melted down inside the five yard line a couple of times. And the play calling I felt was really, they got guys open. They got guys open on the edges. um, And McCarthy was for the most part throwing to wide open dudes for the touchdowns. Um, So yeah, I, it's so he was good. He was definitely, they needed, they needed McCarthy. They could not have won with Cade McNamara. You know what I mean? Like, like McCarthy did give them that, um, and we saw we didn't see much from McCarthy in the run game. I, I anything on that at all? McCarthy really didn't run the ball. Yeah, I was I was maybe a little bit surprised by that because he does he does. It's not like he runs a lot, but he does bring right. that aspect. He is capable of that. I don't know. Is that something you're saving for Washington? I don't know that you would save anything in this game. It's no. possible they just didn't think they could beat the Alabama linebackers who are really fast and really big strong humans and yeah yeah i don't know maybe maybe this wasn't the matchup for him to do that i don't know i i i am i'm with you i think at the same you can at the same time say that mccarthy played well and also it would have been nice for michigan if he had been able to be just slightly more consistent in a few spots but again we're kind of nitpicking and that's probably a little bit unfair the, the final stat I'll give, and we can move on to the next game after this, but tackles for loss, like that that critical department, the tackle yes. for loss department, Michigan had 10 tackles for loss. Alabama had one. Yeah. I mean, game over. Like kind of – like that's kind of the game right there. And, uh, yeah, the six sacks to just one for Alabama. So, yeah, full credit to them. That was the – I think – I think Michigan has the best defensive line in the country. Yes. Um, at, at times, you could say Florida State would rival it. You really, I wouldn't have a problem if you went with Florida State's defensive line, um, especially there at the end with Verse and, and Pat Payton, some of those guys. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. But Michigan has a lot of depth. I was really impressed with just the multiple guys that they would keep throwing at you mm-hmm. um, and getting tackles for loss. I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, it's not just one or two guys. And Credit here on Bud Elliott. He's been on this all all season long. He's been saying that the guys that everyone thinks Georgia has on the defensive line, Michigan actually has those guys this year. Your Kenneth Grants and your Chris Jenkins. Like those guys are just really good. Um, And they showed up and showed out. Real quick, one last thing on this game for me. It's been, you know, everyone was giving Tommy Reese all of the crap on the last play call (laughs) and everything. Yeah. And and then you had other people saying, well, actually, there's a bad snap and it looks like 
Some people were saying it was actually an RPO, like it's supposed to be a swing pass to the running back. Other people said it's actually it was supposed to be a quarterback run, but if he gets the snap cleanly, then he walks into the end zone basically because it's a little quicker. Right. What What were your thoughts on? Well, first of all, the play call, and and you mentioned we don't want to just play the results, but did you like the play call? What did you think the play call was? And yeah, what what are your thoughts on the way that was handled? I, both, I, I am yeah, sorry. Well. I am never a fan of taking all the reads out of the game. I'm not. Yeah. Um, there, I like to at least give him one read. And I, I hear the thing about the swing pass. That was not an option on that play. Uh, you will never be able to convince me that the swing pass was actually a call that they had on because that was immediately take the ball and dash up the middle. Like that was a called run, in my opinion. Um, I would have liked them to get Milrow on the edge. If you're going to run him, at least do something with a fake jet sweep one way and run him out the other way. You can still throw off of that. You know what I mean? Like there, you have options there. I Something to get the linebackers thinking. This one here, there was no thought involved. This was just crashed down, um, yeah. and which they did to great effect. So, yeah, I would not have run at Michigan's best group. Which is their defensive their defensive front? I would not have done that. I would try to get Milrow. If we are going to run him, we're going to get him on the edge. And if there's anything Bama should do in the offseason, it's find a center who can snap the ball to the quarterback. It's been a problem all year. Yeah. Um, and I think you can't blame the center at this point. It's on coaching at this point. Like it's yeah, something else. Ha- I'm I'm serious. Like that someone something has to change there. It's been a problem for them literally every game. It's why there was fourth in 31 in the Iron Bowl um, because mm-hmm. of a bad snap there. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. Um, it's just it is the way it is. I he, ironically enough, he did not do that much against Georgia. Um, Alabama played the game of their life apparently against Georgia, then proceeded to just melt down um, against yeah. Michigan. So yeah, frustrating for me as a Georgia fan, I sure. guess. But yeah, I it it is what it is with the snaps. That's been a problem for them all year. You mentioned one other thing. Sorry, <laughs> I keep finding one more thing to talk about in this game. Mm-hmm. The the coaching, it does it did. We're not really used. For most of the Saban tenure, tenure, we're not used to him being like his staff being clearly outcoached. But Michigan very clearly has better coordinators than Alabama does right now, and I would say just a better coaching staff in general. Uh, their defensive line coach Mike Elston, he's basically the reason that Notre Dame went to two playoffs with the defensive lines he had that had there, and then he went went over to Michigan a few years ago, and man, they've been lights out. Um, I don't know if there's a better pair of coordinators in the country than Michigan. Depends what you think of Sean Moore, um, if you like his offense or not, but it's really good. And yeah, just something, just something that I thought was an interesting thought. We think Bama has a better roster. They're 90% blue chip ratio and Michigan is 54%. Right. But Michigan felt like the better team. And I think a huge part of that is coaching and development. Michigan is able to coach past their talent deficiency so well. Um, and I think we we don't talk about that quite enough. They are nowhere near Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and yet they consistently are beating these football teams despite not recruiting anywhere close to them. That's a tribute to coaching. You're right. Um, the the I think the the defensive coordinator, yeah, the, I'm not willing to say that much on Sharon Moore. Like the offense has been good at times. Uh, this sure. was not a fantastic <laughs> offensive yeah. just play calling uh, from as you know from that standpoint for Michigan. The defense, no doubt, they they yeah. knew what Alabama was doing. It felt not saying they had their signs stolen. Don't get me don't get me wrong there, <laughs> but they part of it part of being a good coordinator is, is having a feel for what's coming and having adjustments um, and adjusting to what you think Alabama will adjust to. You know what I mean? Like count like that whole chess game that goes on being able to win that. So yeah, Michigan won. They did out coach them though, overall in this game, they were the, the more sound, uh, better coach team. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the other game, Texas and Washington, Washington wins 37 to 31 in the sugar bowl. Um, I, I, I talked first on the other game. What, what are your initial thoughts on this game, Ashton? Okay. <laughs> Penix. That was the best. Uh, I, I, I got to be careful here and not get myself into too much trouble. That dude was wild. Yeah. He was out of control. Um, 
I thought Texas, the whole story leading up to it was that Texas's young secondary would not be able to cover Washington's three future NFL receivers. Mm-hmm. I actually felt like Texas covered them very well. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it did not matter because Penix put the ball in places. The receivers weren't open. I'm not, okay. They had some times where they were open. They like, you're yeah. not going to cover those guys completely tight all the time. But even when there was absolutely perfect coverage where Texas could not have guarded the guy any better, the ball just somehow lands like over the guy's shoulder. And it, yeah. like he kept on doing that down the sideline. There's a wild video on Twitter where he, where Penix, he's in the pocket. There's a defensive lineman that's coming directly at him, has him dead to rights. And he, he, he just makes him fall down. Like he does, he just gives him just a small little shimmy, makes him fall down and throws a dart on a, on just on a, a really nice wheel route to the sideline, perfectly layered in. Like there's not much you can do if you're Texas. Yeah. Like you honestly, there's not much else you could have done. Penix finished. He was, he was, um, he had 29 completions, 38 attempts, 430 yards, two touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, it felt really, better than that. <laughs> and it was honestly really like, it was considerably better than that. It was, it was incredible. It was the best quarterback performance that I have seen since. I'm going to say 19 Joe Burrow, 2019 Joe Burrow. I that's that's what I felt when you have NFL players on the defensive line that are coming directly at you and you're making the miss in the pocket and then still keeping your eyes downfield and throwing darts. Mm -hmm. There's not much a defense can do about that. There's really not like there's not really an answer for that. The defense won on that play. They would call that play a win for them. Mm -hmm. But you have one guy who just erases everything and makes a wild play. I, the, the announcers didn't quite feel it either. Like as this yeah. game was going, I was like, are, are you not seeing this? That was crazy. What just happened. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, nice throw from Penix. And it, you know, it was like, uh, we've never seen that happen. Definitely not in a playoff game. I thought it was, yeah, it was incredible. I'll quit talking now is I feel strongly about it. <laughs> no, you can keep talking because uh, I might just say the exact same things you're saying. I was so impressed by the way he was absolutely dealing and it was First, yeah, like you mentioned, he'll throw a deep ball that just comes out of the sky and lands perfectly, like right in the receiver's arms without him having to adjust his right route at all. And then the next minute, he's lasering, like just firing a ball, like hitting a lunchbox, like like that mm-hmm. size of a window. Just oh, it's it's just a thing of beauty when he's on and you mentioned it, those three receivers. And yeah, like, okay, so just a little bit ago, we were talking about the blue chip ratio for Michigan and Alabama. You can talk right. about it in this game too. Texas is in the 70s, and I think Washington is around like 36% or so. They're not a blue chip ratio team. If they were, no. if they win the national title, they'll be the first team ever in the recruiting rankings era to do it without being a, a 50% plus blue chip ratio team. Right. If you have average talent this is showing you what you can still accomplish with a really good nfl quarterback and three really good nfl receivers and by the way a really good offensive line and maybe the best play caller we got going right now in the country and well whoever calls the plays be it oc ryan grubb or head coach kalen DeBoer, who is just a different kind of guy like i don't know maybe he's just the next I, say whatever name you want like he doesn't feel like the same type of guy as Nick Saban to me but maybe he's just the next great head coach um because you got those ingredients somehow they make something beautiful and it's really fun to watch the yeah the the accuracy was was just incredible from Penix like you can have all the great play callers you want but without that guy going off at quarterback um is yeah like nothing else really matters and one thing that just to touch on too the i think the break for washington was huge the four week break um that you get with no games washington was banged up and people talked about like after seeing this game it was easy to to react um and and a lot of i think people blamed especially there were certain media types that blamed people for not watching penix it was like penix has been this all the time and you're just not watching it's like no 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 
Penix was not this all the time. I watched right. a ton of Washington. He had a large stretch this season where he was clearly either banged up or not as confident. He, had to be. he yeah. was not he was not playing well. There was a large stretch of the season where he was not playing well. He used this time, Washington used this time to, they got healthy. He was he was the best that I have seen him ever play. Um yeah, it, it was really incredible for a team that couldn't really run the ball. Washington did not have much success running the ball um, at all outside of ironically Penix. Penix actually had a couple of nice scrambles, but yeah, they they were on they were on fire. It felt every time that every time that Texas got a stop on Washington, it was like they got lucky, like something they, they really got lucky there because I don't think that they're going to be able to stop them, you know, long term here in, in this game. And um, yeah, it was one little thing about the recruiting ranking it's a, it's a really good point i'm not backing off of it at all i think that that the blue chip ratio it it matters i think more than what people realize in yeah. in yeah in you know normal uh cfp culture but the offensive line for washington was really good too mm-hmm. um in pass pro they did not run the ball very well but if we would have said before the game that you know one quarterback's going to get hit a lot um, and one quarterback's not, we would have guessed it to be, you know, Penix getting hit a lot by that really good Texas D line and you were staying clean. And the opposite was true. Um, yep. Washington got after yours and Penix was clean. Or if, if there was someone coming, he kind of just made a miss. So um, yeah, that happened a lot. I just don't, I don't have any, anything else to say about how good Penix played. It was, it was incredible. I agree with you. Everything you just said, um, Quinn Ewers, on the other hand, I <laughs> he he continues to kind of be hot and cold. Like it feels like that's yeah. been his whole career so far to this point. Um, I think he's a good quarterback. I also think he needs to come back another year. Um yeah. continue to sharpen his skills. Uh, dude, Texas almost you all this all this we've said, Texas came so close to winning this game. Uh they were going to get the ball back with like 10 seconds left. And then Dylan Johnson gets hurt on the, on that third down run before Washington's last punt. And I know yeah. you, you, you went to bed. I went, I went to bed. I was yeah. watching this. And as soon as they show him like clearly hurt writhing in pain, I was like, Oh my, that is like so yeah. big because it was the situation where all of a sudden the clock stops for an injury timeout and Texas gets the ball back with, Instead of 10 seconds left, I don't even remember what it was, but it was 45, I think 45 yeah. seconds. You can do a few things and, and credit to them. Um, they march down the field and then they get to the 12 yard line with three shots and it just looked ugly at that point. Um, yeah. In the last play, somehow they managed to get AD Mitchell one-on-one. Washington trusted that corner who got beat earlier in the game by, by AD Mitchell on the fade, kind of the fade ish type type play in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. And then they tried it again, and Ewers just sailed it. It was really ugly. I don't know what he was doing other than that's got to be an incredibly difficult throw to make and an incredibly – yeah, you've never faced that type of situation ever in your life, and that's a lot of pressure, and he just airmailed the throw. And Ewers is a good quarterback. He might even be the second-best quarterback in the playoff, but there's a clear <laughs> gap between number two and number one. Like, Yeah, yeah. The, Michael Penix is just on a different level right now. Texas did not get that play that level of play out of him. No. Um, yeah. Hmm. What about um? What about Washington's defense? What did you think? Of, uh, Braylon Trice is the big story. The two sacks, and he's been yeah. kind of a consistent pass rusher all season. It feels like, even if he hasn't always had big numbers, he he's he he feels like the name that you're always seeing pressuring the quarterback. Um, okay. Yeah. So opportunistic, I think sure. the fumbles, the fumbles were huge. If Texas does not turn the ball over, Texas wins the football game. They had those two big fumbles as they were driving. Texas ran the ball at will 6.4 yards a rush. They were all over Washington. I, and this lead maybe leads up to, to like a little bit of the championship game preview. I don't know if Washington can stop the run. I really don't know. Now, sure Penix can't. <laughs> like Penix can be really good. I think Michigan can run for almost whatever they want. Like yeah. this is, I wonder, yeah, it's going to be interesting just like game flow, like how this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Washington's receivers, I think they can get open against anyone. I think they could get yeah. op- open against like the Bears defense. Um, like they're they're that level of good. 
but Washington's defense, they have a good pass rusher. They cannot hold up to to the interior running game. They really can't. Yeah. So I think that's going to be interesting going forward. Yeah, kind of a little bit of a preview of like a, a you know on the Michigan game. Yeah, definitely a clash of styles in the title after it felt like both of the playoff games were kind of similar teams duking it out. Yeah. And I, I okay, I want to go back to Texas just a little bit. You could tell me I'm wrong, but it very much felt like Xavier Worthy was not healthy. Um, he was out there. He, he was, was running not, around. No. But Texas made use of him all season long, well, the last several seasons, with all kinds of motion and just and throwing to him deep and throwing to him on the shallow cross. And, like, the guy is he, – he's got crazy speed that no one else on that team quite has. And right. it just felt like he was basically out there just – just as a decoy like it he it didn't feel like they could get anything going with him it's i think his some of his lateral stuff people have talked about like he wasn't like it was kind of noted that he was hurt and kind of goes to, like back to you know the was was that the big 12 championship game yeah. i think that he got ding that he got dinged in mm-hmm. um you know washington got healthy in the four weeks texas key player not healthy um i think pretty clearly i think a lot of people that watched that game would have told you that that he was not 100 percent. so yeah the the total yardage was interesting because the total yardage ended up being almost the same um washington had a huge advantage in time of possession which is interesting um in yeah. that game like like you don't really think of them as a ball control team and they didn't run the ball much but they threw like they were in like they just didn't throw in completions <laughs> like everything was caught so like at one point I think it was like twelve straight completions yeah uh, just kind of keep the clock moving so it was it was really impressive just a clinic from Washington is that is that duplicable against Michigan like do they I don't I don't even dude that was so good like I don't think you can do that two times in in you know a week I just don't know if you can yeah. pull that off well let's jump into it I mean the championship game. Next Monday night, Michigan and Washington, clash of styles, very much so. We've already touched on it a little bit. I, I I tend to think Michigan will run the ball quite well against Washington. Like you said, like I think Washington's receivers can probably get open against anybody, including Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michael Penix is a really good quarterback. He's going to make plays in that game. And there's I, I hesitate to say this because it almost feels just tempting the fates too much, but there's a, there's a slight air of, in, of inevitability to Washington's offense. Like even yeah. in the Texas game, even some of the drives in the first half, not going the way like, like ending in punts or whatever, like it just feels like Washington is going to score at least 35 points like it just yes. like it's just going yes. to happen yeah and and i know michigan's yeah. defense is better than texas's maybe they won't score 35 points but it almost feels like they will and and the question just comes down to can michigan stay ahead of the chains and just continue to run the ball at will because it sort of feels like that's like they should be able to do that against washington's defense are they going to get behind the chains too often and have to punt four times because if they punt four times they might lose yeah, I, I like Michigan in this game. I like Michigan yeah. to cover the four and a half. Um, I, I think they win. I, I think they kind of cruise. I, I loved what Washington did in, in the game against Texas. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very hard to replicate. I don't know if you can do that. Um, they were fantastic. And I just think that's hard. It's hard to be fantastic um, two times in a week. It just really is. I think Michigan, I think that run game travels. I think that they will, I think that they will come out and kind of run over Washington a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like Michigan. I like them to cover probably the best feel that I've had um, of anything this bowl season. Um, yeah. I, I like the Wolverines. I think I agree with you. I, <laughs> I like Washington so much and I enjoy watching them so much. I will be rooting for them unabashedly. Part of that is because I'm a Notre Dame fan and I hate Michigan. Yeah contractually obligated but man i just think michigan is the better football team and sometimes it's just that simple yeah okay so we both kind of think michigan wins this game what what will it look like if washington is able to pull off the upset how do they do this i mean kind of the same way they 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 beat texas with like Penix, you know Penix just goes off and it's not even that hard to comprehend right like yeah i mean after after what he just did it, you know it's not that hard 
I, I do think that if if we do see the same version of Penix next Monday, what like I don't I don't think Washington will lose to Michigan. I don't know if they'd lose yeah. to anyone in college. I really don't. Now I I think that's very, very hard to do again. I like yeah, I think that's that's just very difficult to do. Um and I do think that Michigan will get more pressure and yeah. and actually make the sacks in the backfield. And once Washington does lose rhythm, Penix does have a tendency to get a little bit rattled. Like like once mm-hmm. he makes one bad throw, he'll make two or three. Um, they kind of come in bunches, and that 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 that's why you saw Washington struggle uh, for parts in this season um, when he was hurt. But they were also just out of rhythm; like it just it just wasn't clean, it wasn't crisp uh, for them. So, there, yeah, that's there's a path for Washington to win. Um, we think it's you know maybe a little slight, but they there's a path for Washington to win, doing just more of the same, um, just mm-hmm. throwing it out a bunch of NFL receivers. Um, catching the ball from a, from a lefty that's out there just throwing dimes. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that that could happen. It, it would be so unprecedented. I mean, we, we talked to uh, you know some some about it with like the blue chip ratio and all that. And and not to get too too nerdy into this, Washington does not have much depth of talent on their roster. Michigan doesn't have a ton either. But like, is there a chance? We, we've seen, okay, last year we had TCU came and won a playoff game, right? Washington and Michigan this year both won playoff games over teams that had more talent than them. Mm-hmm. There's no big, bad Georgia to play. Like, this is for the championship. One of these two teams will win and be a first-time winner um, of the CFP, and and, a, and we'll have a new CFP champ um, as, a, as a head coach as well. Mm-hmm. Is the is the portal, is, is NIL, is that having some effect on how – we used to view talent like blue chip ratio accumulation of talent. Is there a chance that, or, or is this just an anomaly? Like, is it an anomaly that, you know, if you go get an NFL quarterback and some happen to get lucky and get three NFL wide receivers that you can make a run in the playoff? Well, it's a little bit of both, but I mean, is Michael Penix at Washington, if not for the portal, you know, probably not. Uh, right. No, that's he might be. Quarterbacks have always transferred. They will sure. always transfer. But it's a lot easier in this day and age, quite frankly. Um, maybe he doesn't get quite as much interest around the country if he's transferring back in the old days before the portal. That you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I do think that for those kind of second and third tier programs, when it comes to recruiting, I do think it. Yeah, you, the portal is a really handy way to sort of plug a few holes. Uh, maybe most most people, most teams don't have a Michael Penix that they can mm-hmm. point to as their best player or one of their two best players, and they got him in the portal. Most mm-hmm. of your best players aren't going to be in the portal, but maybe starters number 17 through 22 are from the portal. Like, that makes a big difference. Like just, just raising the level of some of those guys that normally other teams would be picking on that position. And now all of a sudden you have a little bit, bit, bit better of a player there. Um, yeah. That, that makes a big difference. And in Michigan, they've done a really good job with it. Seems like they bring in one really good offensive lineman every year. They, yes. they brought in the yes. linebacker from Nebraska uh, houseman mm-hmm. house. I forget his, his name exactly, mm-hmm. but right. They, they've brought in a few players like that. And they don't rely on the portal a lot, but they bring in a few key guys, and that's a big deal. Um, and with Washington, it's maybe a little bit more of an anomaly that you have a first or second round quarterback and three first or second round receivers at the same time. Is there any chance n- not to be this guy? Because because no one no one likes this guy. But is but I'm going to go ahead and be this guy. Is there any chance that this is just Georgia TCU all over again? And Michigan, Michigan comes out, and we, we mentioned Washington can be – they have a tendency of being a little streaky. We'll just be mm-hmm. honest. They can be a little streaky. They had a great night, and it's really hard to follow up two fantastic – like, there's, it's just really hard to put two fantastic performances together. And we talked about that with TCU last year. Um, TCU was very, very similar in their talent composite rankings to where Washington is this year. There's within a couple of spots of each other. Any chance that happens? 
I will say that there's no chance that Michigan wins 65 to seven. Okay. But there is a chance that Michigan could win this game 49 to 21 or something like that, or 17. Like that is absolutely on the table. That defense is legit. Maybe yeah. if they get pressure on Penix up the middle, like maybe that's yes. different. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and there's a very real possibility that Washington is just completely unable to stop the run. Michigan runs at will. Also, like I know Dylan Johnson didn't have the best game at running back for Washington, like didn't have a lot of like, he was under three yards a carry. Right. He has been key for them lately, like in several of their last games. Like he was good against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. There is a chance that if he is unable to go, and I don't know that for a fact, I'm speculating recklessly. There's a chance that if Washington is too one-dimensional, it's just that they're they're just not able to score nearly Mm -hmm. as much as we've gotten used to happening. So if there's a blowout in this game, it's probably Michigan. Um, but honestly, there's an also a non-zero chance that Michael Penix just goes off and, and Michigan is unable to keep up. Like there's also that chance to much smaller, I would say. Yeah. Let me let me throw this back at you. So right now I'm looking at one of the biggest sport books out there, and it mm-hmm. has Michigan favored by four and a half. Yeah. And the money line is Michigan minus one ninety six, Washington plus one sixty two, and the over under is at fifty five and a half. Do yep. you feel like those are all pretty solid numbers or or where do you feel like there might be leans? I, I take Michigan over. Um Michigan and the over, I guess. Okay. Um I think I think I think Michigan's offensive line is a nightmare, especially in the center of that 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 the middle of that offensive line. I think Michigan will run the ball at will. I do. They they, they are a at least as good. I would say a a considerably better rushing team than Texas is. Um, and, and I don't, I don't think that Washington is suddenly going to learn how to shut down the run. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that they're going to run the ball at will. And as long as McCarthy, now this all has a bit of a caveat. The whole thing has a bit of a caveat. If McCarthy goes back and Harbaugh reverts back to the, the Michigan that we saw in the last two years, of the playoff, but yeah. all bets are off <laughs> dear Lord. Yeah. All bets are off at that point. Um, Michigan should, if they play, if they clean up a few of their mistakes on special teams, I think, I think, I don't think Washington's defense has, has many answers for Michigan. I don't, I think it, I think they win in and cover and go over. So Vegas is predicting roughly 30 to 26. You think maybe 35, 28 might be more accurate. Yeah. um, I would say maybe, I, I think, I think Michigan gets to 40. I think okay. Michigan. I think Michigan can get to forty um, on that defense. Yeah, I, I just don't see them having many answers. Johnson going down um, as Washington's running back. Again, you you speculated out there. Highly unlikely that he's going to play, at least with how it looked. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just kind of throwing things out there, but it does not. I would not be expecting him to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I I think I would I would jump on Michigan at four and a half. I I think it's probably going to end up going. Michigan's way I think that line will swing towards Michigan a little bit I think you've seen a lot of respect from Vegas overall towards Michigan just because of the consistency that they've played with all year I think that's why they remained a favorite against Alabama last week even though most of the money was on Bama so yeah like Vegas took all of that and stayed with Michigan as the favorite because they took the whole season into account I think and they they counted on Michigan being more steady Um, and And the Sharps were on Michigan too by the way Yes, absolutely. And yeah. and by the way, should have been that that was the correct yeah. side. When you saw that line not move after that that flood of money towards Alabama, um, I told some friends of mine, like when you see that that line is not moving, like that's mm-hmm. suspicious that that line's not moving at all. Yep. And and it went up, it went up to two and two and a half right before kickoff, almost a field goal, huge, yeah. huge jump there. And yeah, it was like, okay, that's, yeah, that's the side to be on that. All that said, it was, a, I mean, it was an overtime game, coin flip game, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I do think Michigan is, is, is viewed correctly by, by Vegas here. And I, I think they win I cut in cover. I think that line will inflate maybe a little um, as kickoff gets near. I'll zag on you just a, just slightly. I don't think it's in the forties. I think both of these teams play slow enough and it, it feels weird to say that about Washington, but they even pointed out on the broadcast, they they tend to get lined up quickly and then they wait Slow a down. while to snap it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I would suspect that this game might be a little lower scoring as far well compared to what we're used to maybe with Washington maybe right. in the 30s and I don't know I would definitely not bet on this game like I absolutely would not do it right uh, maybe maybe the Michigan money line but even that I wouldn't feel great the way it's priced at one at minus 196 I could almost see any outcome in this game. I think you should just watch this game and enjoy it because it's a clash of styles. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. First championship without an sec team in it since 2014. Yeah. yeah. We Been got a, a while. battle of battle of the big 10 teams here. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy to think that. Yeah. I mean, just next year, these guys, uh, these two teams play in the regular season next year as well. Michigan, Washington. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, any any more thoughts on any other bowl games that that we saw? I would like to bring up the Ole Miss Penn State game. I felt like the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl between those two teams was it was one of two really big non playoff games that I cared a lot about. I'm a Georgia fan. I didn't I didn't care at all about the Orange Bowl. That was a bloodbath. <laughs> um, we don't even really have to talk about that much anymore. Uh, Georgia's on a different level, by the way. I'm just going to throw this one in real fast. Georgia would be a two and a half point favorite against Michigan on Monday. It would be yep. a six and a half point favorite against Washington on Monday. Yep. Um, so, and again, Georgia is not going to, to win the national championship this year. Me arguing for this um, it is not going to get Georgia in and give them a shot. But if we're really saying it's the four best teams, no one could have watched Georgia play all year and say that they are not one of the four best teams. Um, right. So I'm just just going to kind of leave that one there. They would be a favorite over anyone in college football um, on Monday night. So and let's move on to the Peach Bowl. Um, I thought Ole Miss has been compared with Penn State all year. I think those two teams were viewed, they were ranked usually side by side, including right now they were 10 and 11 coming into this game. This was a big win for Ole Miss. You, you combine the big win with the portal momentum that they have going right now, the recruiting momentum that, that Kiffin has going for Ole Miss, they are the ultimate feel-good team going into next year. Like, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like like a vibes yeah. team, like an off-season vibes team? They're going that's for Miss. it next year. That, that's Ole Miss. I'm yeah. serious. Jackson Dart announces he's coming back. A lot of those receivers look like they're coming back. They're adding some receivers. Juice Wells, really good receiver. Yeah. This was a big win. They won by multiple scores. Penn State, they, they got a late touchdown and two-point conversion to make it look closer than it was. This was a three-touchdown game with just a yeah. few minutes left in the fourth quarter. This was – Ole Miss was significantly better. It Penn State punted the ball. I, I It was in plus territory. I, I think it was fourth and two or fourth and three. They punted the ball in plus territory. I don't know about James Franklin, man. Like you, you can't do that. You cannot yeah. do that in, in, in that, in that setting, you know, that Lane Kiffin's just going to be a riverboat gambler on the other side, taking all the chances. And it feels like Penn state continues to get tight against top competition. That's been yeah. their complaint. Like they can beat everyone else when they play other really competitive teams, they tighten up, especially their play calling on offense. They're not as good. Ole Miss had, I think over 350 yards in the first half. Wow. Penn State doesn't even give up 300 yards on average for a whole game. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. I was really impressed with Ole Miss. This was big for them. And Penn State has to take a look inside and see. Yeah, that that's that's what I thought. I thought they need to take a look at, at what they have there. And do we need to make some changes? Penn State has talent. Well, they just hired Andy Nikki, the Kansas offensive coordinator. And I right. think – this game kind of proved that that was a need. Like, yes, it, right. it confirmed that, okay, yes, we did need to make a change at offensive coordinator, even though everyone already knew that, I would say. Um, right. And Kotelnicki, I think, was a really good hire. And maybe the best thing they can do is just make him the head coach of the offense. And 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 maybe the actual head coach just completely stays out of some of those decisions like you were talking about. <laughs> I was going to say, can we just like have James Franklin? Can he just go like recruit and hang out with like, yeah. like, like recruits families like during the games and, and just let, yeah, let the offensive coordinator handle the decisions. It, it is incredible how like a team gets tight, like pressure gets to people. I was even going to bring it up on the playoff games. Certain teams you saw get tight. They, they tightened up. And and they, they they got worse. 
And I think Penn State absolutely does that almost every time they play top competition. So, yeah. Did you have anything on on Ole Miss yet again? I was really – I was super impressed with them. This was a game in Atlanta. This is a big win for them. Um, 11 wins, by the way. Yeah. Ole Miss could could be a top five team in the preseason next year. Think about that. They could really be in the top five next year. That's not even – I'm not exaggerating. There's a chance they will be. So, yeah. Yeah, very impressed by Ole Miss. They – they just kind of blew me away over and over and over this year as far as they, they lost to Alabama and Georgia. That, that's their two losses this season. They beat everybody right. else. Like, right. And that includes LSU, Penn State, like some really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what Andy Kotelnicki can do with Christian Hackenberg next year. I mean, sure. sorry, Drew Allard. Sure. Well, uh, we didn't want to – come on. There's, that's sorry, too soon. That, they have a long offseason ahead, Ben. <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no point in bringing that up. Another what, game. What else? Yeah, go ahead. What, what other well, games? okay. The other one that I really wanted to get to, we do have to talk about Ohio State, Missouri. Yeah. Um, this one was not pretty. Nothing pretty about this game. Uh, the the punters actually, you could argue that that the punters were were really nice. Eight okay. punts uh, per team. Eight punts. Um, Ohio State man, three points. Yeah. You can't. You can't really blame. Uh, who the. Who you put blame on here is really – that's hard. I, I don't really like blaming any of the quarterbacks because they got thrown into a, kind of a tough spot. But the fact that Ohio State runs out Kyle McCord, which is how Ohio State – that's how they put it out there. They kind of put it out that McCord, we ran him off. That's yeah. kind of – that was the that was the narrative that was pushed by Ohio State. They put it out that we ran him off. And then not to have – any good backups behind him, Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz, they may turn out to be good. They were not good in this game. Yeah. With weeks to prepare. It it raises questions. There's a lot of questions around Ohio State. Um, I was really impressed with Missouri, but I, I more will just want, kind of want to focus on Ohio State. Ryan Day loses two games um, again this year. This is, I think, the third year in a row. The, again, we're factoring in postseason losses, but yeah, they need a quarterback badly. Um, mm-hmm. They they need a few things. Marvin Harrison's gone. The re, the rest of the receiver core. We 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 talk about a great receiving core and a lot of depth. Are we sure with are are we sure with 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 Harrison gone? Mechabuka's probably gone. Are we sure that that they have proven depth down down line of those guys? They also they we know they don't have a proven quarterback right now. I, I just I don't know. It's it's a big deal because I think Ohio State, I do think Ohio State could have been a playoff team this year. I felt that when they were clicking with McCord and Harrison, they were one of the four best teams. That defense was much improved. That defense was yeah. very impressive this year. And if you could combine that defense with one of the offenses that Ohio State used to have, that's a championship team. And and somehow the offense went away. And that's that's crazy to me. It felt like they didn't trust Lincoln Kineholtz or put him in a position to succeed. They were kind of running the the run-run-pass offense, yeah. and Mizzou was just keying on the run, bringing everybody and stuffing the run, as you do when you know what's coming. And then Kineholtz has to – you know, the true freshman, what were you supposed to do? Third and ten every time. Like, Yeah. I was – yeah, it was pretty ugly. I, there, There's a part of me that wonders if maybe – Maybe Ohio State doesn't miss Kevin Wilson more than they thought they might, uh, who was their offensive coordinator for a long time and then I think took right. the Tulsa head coaching job a year or so ago. Right. Um, Brian Hartline is the first-year offensive coordinator. Ryan Day still, I think, mostly calls the plays. It, he does. He's yeah. the primary play caller. Yeah. I don't know. I, it does feel like Ohio State is at a bit of a crossroads. The Three straight losses to Michigan – yeah, the quarterback thing, running off a solid-ish quarterback and not really having a clear plan after that. Cameron Ward was the main guy that we were hearing in the portal, and he's going to the NFL draft now. So, right, uh, right. yeah, really interesting to see what happens. Um, what other bowl games or anything else stand out to you from bowl season? So, yeah. I was going to talk real quick on the Missouri side of it. We okay, talked a yeah. lot about Ohio State there. 11 wins also for Missouri. That's a team that was, I mean, they're 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 not that. They're not a top 10 program, and they will finish inside the top 10. They will start out next year inside the top 10 just with what they have coming back. 
Cody Schrader, he's probably going unless unless Corum just goes crazy against Washington. Cody Schrader will probably probably be the leading rusher in the country um, yardage wise. I thought that was impressive. They were that was a really physical football team. You talk about teams that have tough losses. They lost a really, really close one to LSU, where if they don't lose that one, their only other losses to Georgia close, close loss on the road at Georgia. Missouri, Missouri is good. Like this is a huge uh, statement for them. So yeah, two teams, um, Ole Miss and Missouri, maybe don't, they kind of fly under the radar just a bit in terms of like quality football teams because of all the, the luster ahead of them in the sec. Um, They're darn good. Missouri would have caused major problems in any conference any conference this year, they were a real problem. Um, and kind of the same with Ole Miss. They were, they were a problem for people. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, do we, can we talk about the Sun Bowl just real quick? Notre Dame 40, yeah. Oregon state <laughs> eight. I just want to bring that one in there real quick. Yeah, that was quite something. I was actually really impressed with Steve Angeli, the backup quarterback with Sam Hartman uh, opting out of the game. Didn't flash anything spectacular, but felt very composed, very much calm in the pocket making the throws making the easy throws that were short and also making some nice deep throws like and by the way audric estime opted out as well in fact i think notre dame had one or two offensive starters playing in this game and they looked about as good as they had in a long time uh their running backs jeremiah love and jadarian price that they're going to be back next year those guys are really good i don't expect their running game to take much, if any, of a step back, even with losing Jadar, uh, Audric Estime. Um, yeah, you had a true freshman starting at left tackle. And this is all couched with Oregon State also had a lot of guys opt out of the game. Both teams were kind of a shell of themselves, but I was impressed by Notre Dame's depth. One more that we're going to just mention real quick. It's the Citrus Bowl. Uh, Tennessee wins 35 yes. um, to nothing over Iowa. Um, anything there at all, just to wrap up our good buddy, uh, really at this point, Brian Ferentz, he is gone. Um, Deacon Hill will probably not play again. Um, again, that hate, hate to sound that way, but this was really rough. They had, they were, they were actually fairly close to scoring. They got lucky in some, some punt exchanges early on and they've got a great punter. Everyone knows Iowa's punter is fantastic. Yes. And they got the ball in close. Deacon Hill throws it directly to a oh, Tennessee defender in the end zone. Awful. Very, very bad interception. And they weren't, uh, yeah, they weren't even that close to scoring um, afterward for a, a very long time until late in the fourth. So yeah, they it, get blanked in the, in the, in the bowl game. How fitting, right? How fitting. Right after Kirk Ferentz was getting on Lincoln Riley for paying too much attention to only one side of the ball. So yeah, it's 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 whatever side he, he he just picked a different side. You know, yeah. hey, if we could get Ference to coach the defense and Riley to coach the offense under like say you know like a like a coach prime type, like a CEO type, yeah. like a Sam Pittman type of guy, right? That recruits, um, you'd have something. You Absolutely. you really would have something. It's incredible that Iowa won ten games this year. That's fantastic yeah. for them because they had no prayer on offense. And you kind of feel bad for the defense. Like guys that deserved better, that defense did deserve better uh, for Iowa. And and they do win 10 games and credit to them. With like 16 points per game, which you know. it, it, it's just <laughs> incredible. Uh, Nico, I thought, looked pretty good. Nico Iamaliava. Yes. Um, yes, sir. True freshman. Yes. Oregon, they looked pretty good. Props to Bo Nix going out, playing their bowl game. I like that. Um, the Real Quest Bowl. LSU beat Wisconsin 35-31, came back to win. I would just want to say one, my main takeaway from that game watching it, Luke Fickle, man, hire somebody to make your fourth down decision making. Luke Fickle's a really good coach. <laughs> You're talking about the fourth down, the punt. The oh, punt there decision. was I'm not talking about one. I'm talking about okay. there was like three or four throughout the game. I was just, dude, come on. Like anyway, that, that yeah. was a little rough. Um Clemson beat Kentucky in a really entertaining Gator Bowl. There was, I think, five lead changes in the fourth quarter. That was kind of fun. That one was fun. Arizona beat Oklahoma 38-24. Good win. Noah Fafita. Physical football game. That was a yeah. that was a physical football game. My goodness. Yes. Um, I don't have a whole lot other than that. Miami continues to suck in bowl games. Oh, one other thing, real quick to mention, Miller Moss, USC. Saw like yeah. six touchdown passes as they beat Louisville 42-28. So really impressive. Um, 
my favorite thing I think in this new bull era where we don't really see true versions of these teams, it's 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 more like a slight preview of next season's teams. Like that's yeah. more it it almost feels more like a spring game than than a legit postseason game. And so it was fun to see some of these young quarterbacks play for the first time. Um Liberty's uh quarterback, uh Salter. Yeah. Caden Salter, Salter yeah. entered the portal just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a couple hours ago, I guess. Now, um, Ohio State? Question mark? Question mark? That Maybe might make some sense. Wink, wink. Someone needs one. I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. With, with with Ward declaring, he feels like he's by far the best quarterback that's still available. And DJU is yeah. going to Florida State now. So right. yeah, options. Sure. Um, by the way. I don't know if you saw this. Notre Dame hired Mike Denbrock after Jared Parker got the Troy head coaching job. Um, so they get Mike Denbrock away from LSU. Um, obviously, I have thoughts as a Notre Dame fan, but I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that as kind of neutral guy. This is a fantastic hire for you guys. There's there's no other way to couch that. You can, like, not that you're getting rid of Parker. That sounds bad. That's not what I really meant. But you're also getting Denbrock. Yes. Like, this is a, this is a huge hire for you guys. You would grade this one, like, in – a minus to even a category. Yeah. The, earlier in the pod, I mentioned that Michigan might have the best pair of coordinators in the country. The reason I was thinking about that was because Notre Dame just hired Mike Denbrock and they're looking to give Al Golden an extension. And I was wondering how many teams out there have a better pair of coordinators than that right now. And I'm right. not sure that there's a very long list. Um, yeah. Also, Notre Dame just doing some things in the portal that we haven't seen before. They are starting to accept non-grad transfer transfers. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're getting guys in that we didn't think they could get in before. So, and, and there's also a lot of talk um, <laughs> that their NIL game has stepped up significantly. So I suspect that the whole fiasco last offseason with the offensive coordinator hire, I suspect yeah. that actually did make some changes happen in okay. the Notre Dame program, both with NIL and with the administration and the willingness to take some some other transfers that maybe they wouldn't have before. I think right. they're a little more eh, – yeah, there, there's a little more investment, and it's exciting. Now, mm-hmm. I, that doesn't – who knows what their ceiling can be next year. Um but I just wanted to point that out as something we've talked a lot about on the pod. I think Notre Dame is actually making a few changes that Notre Dame fans have been looking for for a long time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right, Ashton, anything else before we wrap this podcast up? Michigan, lay them. Lay the points. Nope. Michigan covers on Monday. I, I don't – yeah. My advice is just enjoy the game. But, yeah, you can listen to Ashton. He did a great job of betting this year, so – All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week, a happy new year, and God bless you all.